Hello, and welcome to the Tabletop Gaming Magazine podcast. I'm Chris Eggett, the editor of the magazine. Today we're talking to Ellie Dix about family gaming and turning your family into a board gaming family. We also get Ellie's top five family games, and we discuss teaching games to children. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners to start off with? Sure. I'm Ellie Dix. I'm a board game designer and I own a very small publishing company called The Dark Imp, which is thedarkimp.com. I design games for families and I've written a book called The Board Game Family, Reclaim Your Children from the Screen, which is all about how to Uh, get into board games as a parent if you want your family to get into board games what the benefits of doing that are and the challenges you might face and how to overcome them so there's a quite a bit about managing behavior in there and behavior around the game table as well as just why you might want to play board games and what kind of board games you might like to play that's great yeah and um and we, we talked a bit off mic about the idea of um of like gaming families um, yes and how and how uh, not everyone's sort of blessed with a sort of a, a hobbyist gaming family, and um, True. so so hopefully today we're going to sort of work out um, the sort of the, the best techniques for turning your family from a normal family into a, a better family, which is a gaming family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so um, so yeah, uh, so I think it's something we all do, which is we all sit down with a game and a, and a group of people, and we we um, we overestimate people's ability to engage um, yep. often you, 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 this happens with adults as well uh, a group of people who say oh yeah I like board games and then you say okay great we'll, we'll sit down we'll play something and you, um, uh, you you bring something to the table which for you seems fairly simple and straightforward but when you've got to describing what the fourth track does and how it interacts with um, uh, the value of a certain supply um, you can sort of tell that maybe you've misjudged the table so um yeah, I think that happens a lot, actually. And that's um, and obviously that's something that happens with kids as well. So it is. I mean, it, as you say, it happens with everybody, and and I think it's a really common thing for most gamers that they get really excited about a game, they love it, they get really into it, they see all the pros, and uh, and then they just want to share that because that's what we do. We want to share those experiences with other people, and it's natural to want to share them with all your closest friends and family because those are the people you want to have the most you know meaningful experiences with so uh, your enthusiasm and your excitement sometimes can be thwarted and cut off and you can be really disappointed when others don't appear to share your enthusiasm and so I think we all are guilty of trying to make everybody else like the games that we like um and that's just as true with my husband as it might be with my children um but but i i do think that there are games that um each person i mean there are okay there are there must be some people out there that just don't like any games at all um i'm glad i don't have those in my family or in my <laughs> friendship group uh but i think by and large there is a type of game or uh, some games for most people and it's really about us if we are going to try and uh, get other people into board gaming it's really about how making sure that we uh, are engaging them in the kind of games that they're going to want to be engaged in and that's really challenging and it's the same 
with children. So um, trying not to impose your favorite new, uh, really heavy, complex strategy game on children as the first thing that they learn, just because you love it, is probably a good plan. Yeah, I think this I think this is something that's happened to me directly as well, where I've... Um, uh, so my daughter's very very young but um uh but friends of mine they they have maybe four-year-olds and um uh or th- three four-year-olds and um you you get to a point where you, you kind of just treat them like a normal person in your house who's just a bit smaller um and needs different things uh but then when it comes to actually playing the game you realize that the concept of for example taking turns doesn't quite arrive <laughs> to them uh, naturally sure um and so um so we, I've had experiences where I've said, oh, we'll play this game, and then it's like, oh, no, we won't, because <laughs> the basic concepts aren't there. Um, yeah. So, obviously, there's a there's a threshold for um, when you can introduce uh, kids to, uh, to sort of hobby, hobby games. Um, but, yeah. Um, but what, what, what do you think, um, what's sort of the, I guess, the minimum age that you start introducing kids? Or, well, I think it really depends on what you're going to play, doesn't it? And I think, you know, we're very, you know, we talk about hobby games and different people mean different things by that. And what someone's uh, hobby game, one person's hobby game might be another one's quite mainstream offering, really. You know, there's there's cliques within cliques, aren't there, I suppose, um, and specialisms within that. So, I mean, I think obviously that there are, there are games that are designed for children uh, that, you know, and, you know, commonly like the Haber games that, that we enjoy playing anyway. I mean, who doesn't love Rhino Hero? I mean, really. Uh, um, but, but, but they are, I suppose most of those games for the very young, uh, we might not be that interested in playing as adults. Um, so it's, it's really about finding games that suit each age group and and that can be challenging and that can be a trial and error process really, you know, they'll learn how to take turns when they're playing, um, like the orchard games and things, you know, we used to, my children used to like red dog, blue dog, but by God, it's so boring as an adult. Um, and so you're just desperate for them to grow up a bit so they can do something else. But the experience of just playing any game, any child's game, will teach them how to take turns and will teach them the concept of we're working within rules. We are moving components on a board. These are tiles. These are boards. This is what a dice does. This is how you roll it. Those sorts of things we learn and we build on. Um, but I suppose most, uh, and I'm going to, gosh, the the age ranges on games I think are quite contentious anyway. But I, but I would say that um, most games could be played from age eight upwards. Yeah, I think that's probably right. That's probably right. I, I think it depends on um, the uh, the game and the context um, yep. that, yep. that the game has been played in. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, I, and I think um, it's not just, you know, that there are children where children may struggle, that they... Any game that requires knowledge, um, trivia knowledge, uh, extended vocabulary, they're not going to be able to compete on a level playing field with adults until they're quite, I mean, possibly until they're, you know, you know, in their 20s. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I think we, when, we, when I was a child, we were still playing the children's trivial pursuit questions when I, when I was at university. Because, you know, you build your knowledge over time. Yes. I don't think I'd get away with it now with my dad, though. Uh, 
<laughs> younger children, they are going to struggle with dexterity. That's so true, um, and if anything that requires you to do things quickly or um, to hold things in a certain way or to do very detailed things. I mean, I'm thinking of Tokyo Highway and things where you're balancing. You've, you've got to be very careful with what you put in different places those things appeal to children but they can't really compete on a level playing field until they have command of their dexterity um, anything that requires a lot of writing is going to be challenging for, for children younger ones particularly and reading so word games are you know i i usually think of family games as something where as games where children can compete with adults on not necessarily a le level playing field in that they might not win, but they can take part as fully as adults can. And I think that's really critical in a, in a, in a, in a family game. The other things, the other areas that children often um, are lacking in are patience. Yes. Uh, which is so important. And particularly when we're teaching games to children, this is the main problem that we have, I think, as parents is actually teaching new games to children. Once they know them, they can play them. That's why they keep wanting to go back to the game of life and uh, Connect Four and Monopoly and the ones that they know because they don't have to be taught it again. They know how to play it. And so once they've learned a game and they're familiar with it and they've got some practice with it and they don't have to refer to the rules and they don't have to sit through you telling them what to do, then they're, they're going to be they're going to be much able to engage much better. So patience is really low with many many children, um, with many adults as well, yes. but with many children. <laughs> so um, we, I, we forgive the yeah. children, though, of course. Yeah, yeah, particularly for children. I think that's I, I actually think that's the biggest challenge that we have as parents. That is the biggest that is the biggest difference uh, with playing with children from playing with anyone else. Um, there are there are other things like um, okay children cannot often some can but th this comes with age so my 17 year old is particularly brilliant at this but he's 17 right he's almost an adult um, most children really struggle to see the um, the full to be able to see the full consequences of the actions they're taking in the moment yes. so they'll be able to, to i see, struggle with that personally yeah <laughs> well that does come through practice right the more games you play the more you're used to it the more um you start to see how the things fit together and what might happen in the future. And yeah, many people struggle with that. Some people don't bother with it because it's too mentally taxing. Uh, I mean, I don't particularly sit there and think, oh my gosh, if I make this action, if I do this, what's going to happen in three turns time? But there's a difference between what I'm naturally doing in terms of my planning ahead and what most children, particularly sort of, I suppose, eight, nine, ten uh, that kind of age of child is going to be able to to, to do. So um, they might well be able to see the immediate impact of their actions and know that, oh, I want to get that, so I've got to do that. But they might not be able to see, well, if I don't do this before this time, then I'm not going to be able to do all of this stuff I might want to do later. Or, oh, my goodness, somebody else is about to do this. And that means for me that my game plan isn't going to work in a few turns time. Or yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know all of those sorts of things that's really hard for it's, children it's very to frustrating as well because yeah. there's also a point where you as, as the parent and the person teaching the game um you have to say no you can't do that and that's kind of that's a bad that's not a great position to be in when you're meant to be having fun you know 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's, this is another reason why it's really difficult for parents to teach children and to play with uh, to play with their own children. Sometimes it's sometimes it's easier when you're teaching other people's children, when you're playing with other people's children or when you're doing it as a teacher, um, because the response you get when you say no, you can't do that is is better than if you're a parent um, with with our with our own children we've got to be careful about the kinds of things we say to them to keep them engaged and that's challenging because you want to say no don't do that you're, you're <laughs> crazy that's you're going to not be able to do anything else if you do that now um but you've got to get let them learn from their own mistakes and and it can be very challenging as a child when you see your parents beating you all the time um and I mean, I, I, my younger son is 13 and we play quite a lot of much heavier games. Um, we play a lot of terraforming Mars. So we probably play That's that. Really two, heavy. Yeah, it's really heavy. We play that probably two or three times a week at the moment during lockdown. Uh, the three of us, me and my 17 uh, year old oh, and 13. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the 17 year old almost always wins because he has this amazing ability to uh, plan out his actions, turns in advance. And the 13-year-old almost always loses. And he gets to the end of every game and says, I don't understand why I lost again. I kept making good decisions. I sort of copied what Alfie did last time. How did I lose again? And he's desperate to work it out. But I, all I keep saying to him is, you were, you are learning every time you play. Every time you play, you're getting better. Every time you play, you're thinking about decisions in a different way and you're using your experience from previous times to inform your decision making. And um, and I and I can't give you a one reason why you why you didn't win. I mean, terraforming Mars isn't like that. You might have only lost by three points. I mean, God, you can't. <laughs> I can't pick that apart. <laughs> No, no, it's, um, I mean, uh, I think for a lot of people, just hearing you say that, you know, I, I play Terraforming Mars with my, my two my two children three times a week or whatever it is. Um, that sounds like a dream. And so how do we get there? Well, I suppose the reason that kids might stick to mainstream family games, as I said before, is because they know them and they know how to play them. Uh, they're easy to pick up and get started with. Um, you know, we've all got this sort of fondness for games that we know. Uh, and this is why we play Terraforming Mars three times a week, because they know how to play and they want to keep playing it. So I've got I have got shelves of unplayed games, which for all they know might be as brilliant as Terraforming Mars but we can't get them to the table because they want to play Terraforming Mars. So it just depends what you know. And so there's this sort of challenge about how do you introduce new things. Um, I think, you know, we have to be very careful not to impose games on children. You know, letting the kids choose what they want to play um, is, you know, letting them have ownership is really important. So, you know, having some sort of way of choosing what game you're going to play where um, people are happy and, 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 and the children feel like they've had some sort of part of the decision making is crucial. There's no good saying, right, everybody, I've been wanting to play this game for ages. It hasn't happened yet. Um, you're all going to come and sit down at the table. That works sometimes, but they have to be in that frame of mind. 
I actually did that yesterday and it did work. But um, yeah. Uh, what, what did you play yesterday? We played Magnificent. And oh, well, I don't know that one. Go on, tell me about it. Uh, it's um, it's a sort of, it's, I mean, the criticism that it's had is that its theme is fairly loose. So it's got a sort of uh, circus uh setting really that you're a ringmaster and you're trying to create different um uh circus acts you you have characters that are going to performers that are going to perform and you have to get tents that they're going to perform in and you match them up and there are it's simple in that you have three different actions but it's a huge board there's a huge amount of components there's lots of different bits and tracks that you know and, and various things um and it's it's one of those sort of decision crunchy decision making ah can i do this oh no i need one more gem to be able to do that um so yeah, so that that worked yesterday, but um, I'm very careful whenever I want to teach a new game uh, to my children that I play it fully through myself beforehand. That's a very good tip, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, I, I think because children have no patience or much more limited patience, uh, you ha- the you have to make sure that you are properly prepared to teach a, a new game, and so. Uh, it, the most important thing, the the most important rule. I mean, I have several rules about teaching games, <laughs> but the most important rule is that you um, that you learn it properly yourself beforehand. Uh, so that means for me, that doesn't just mean reading the rule book. That means reading the rule book, watching a video, and playing a full game through. If it's got a single player mode, sometimes I might do that, but most of the time I'll play a two-player version and just be two players. And the only games you really struggle to do that with are games with any kind of hidden information where the game itself, like, for example, um, Cryptid or some sort of deduction game, where you know the information that some one player's got is going to spoil it if you know it. You know, that the, the point of the game is trying to work it out and you can't really suspend your disbelief being, I usually play left hand versus right hand and you can't really do that in that sort of game. Yeah, it's kind of, kind um, of split brain, can we? <laughs> no, you can't. I wish I could. Yes. That'd be really cool. But yeah, there are so, yeah, speed games are also really difficult to play if you're doing, oh if you're word. being too busy. <laughs> Like, you can't really do that. Um, <laughs> I've had this I'm trying to play test my own games. There are there are some that you just have to you know give to a give to a group of playtesters to try uh, without doing yourself at all at home, and that's pretty scary. Anyway, you know, um, yeah. So we so uh, if, uh, avoid imposing games on the kids. Let them choose what they want to play. Uh, I would say. If it's a good idea to so we listen to quite a lot of when we when we are out and about and obviously we're not out and about at the moment but when we're in the car and I'm driving the kids around we will listen to podcasts uh, board game podcasts and um, I I'll have it on and they'll be listening as well and I will be really tuning in slightly you know to the to the podcast of course but also to what they say to their comments on things to what they're interested in to the um the ideas that appeal to them and i'll be thinking okay well you know if i buy quite a lot of games maybe i I should buy the things that they're most interested in playing because they're going to get more time at the table um so so that's you know that's that's and, and watching videos together as well if you can they kind of lead you in the right directions that they want to that they want to take um 
I suppose, you know, working up to it as well. You've got to work up. You can't just say, uh, let's start with terraforming Mars. You know, you've got to you've got to build up to that over time. And we've been playing terraforming for about, I suppose, three years or something. So that was when the youngest one was about 10, maybe nine, something. Well, maybe some, somewhere around there. So we've been playing it a while. Um, and But he's been playing all manner of games since he was really small. So he already had quite a lot of the concepts uh, that he'd need to be successful in, in playing a game. Um, so, yeah, you have to work up to it. You have to look, I, I suppose, look for games that have short explanations as well. Uh, easy concepts, but that offer a depth of decision making when you're actually playing. Because, um, I mean, those are the kind of perfect games for kids, right? Uh, explanation is really quick, but the gameplay is really interesting. You know, the, the concept is really um, easy to grasp, but your brain is burning because of all the different things that you can do, the different choices you can make. Um, and, and that's good because then you can start playing as quickly as you can. So that's that's, uh, that's some really good rules for uh, bringing kids into the fold. Um, have, you, have you got any good examples of, um, I suppose, gateway games for kids? Because uh, we talk about the term like gateway game as well as a... Uh, a way to get you know um, other grown-ups into the hobby mostly yeah um but uh often they're the, the perfect way to um bring kids into the the hobby side of things um yeah they are yeah i mean i think that you know the, the you know the definitions of gateway game and family game are a little bit woolly you know what uh, different people would give different labels to the same games based on their own experiences um how would you but, how do you define each of those uh, well, I suppose um, family games, as I said before, are those which children can take part in on a level playing field. That uh, that doesn't mean they're going to win, but they can understand the rules and make decisions and about the, and, and understand the actions they're going to take and the benefits that they're going to get from taking those actions. Um, most lots of modern board games are designed to allow multiple strategies to be successful and many of them reward uh, specialism and generalization which is really good because you can often find that you're rewarded for any decision you make which is brilliant for a family game um you might not be rewarded as well as if you had a really carefully thought through strategy but you still feel as if you've accomplished something and that you're getting something um and i think that most games that you describe as gateway games do the same i mean the aim of gateway games is to um bring new players into the into the hobby uh, you know you you want to allow newer gamers to experience success within a game just like you want to allow children to experience success within a game a success that they've kind of created themselves rather than one that's been handed to them by luck i think that's, I th that's a pretty good uh, breaking breaking between those two two different things there well if if they are that different at all um, I suppose for me, I was I was kind of imagining that a gateway game would be something that kind of ex sort of expresses its mechanics really clearly to you often. So it's just it's themed but with abstraction. Whereas a family game often starts with theme, and then um, you sort of lean on that more than than the mechanical side. But that's kind of the yeah, you're right. That's the, that's the only difference really. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that the theme. I mean, as I when I design games, sometimes I start 
usually I start with the mechanic rather than the theme. Um, and But the theme seems to be very important for family games because it's a good hook. Um, and it allows children to feel like they're in the world of the game. And that's possibly more important for children than it is for some adults. I think it's equally important for some adults. But I think it's nice because you can you can kind of create a whole story around the theme of a game. My, my example for this, um, for like a, a really good theme and family game is um, Horrified, which is a Raven Oh, burger. it's brilliant. It, yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's um, brilliant. And it's like, um, it's kind of just... One a... of my top five family games. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah oh. it really is. It's brilliant. For all of the latest game reviews and news, make sure that you subscribe to Tabletop Gaming Magazine. Go to www.tabletopgaming.co.uk for our digital edition and paper magazine offers. kind of a fetch quest in lots of ways you're kind of wandering collecting things going to places doing a thing but yes the um but the the uh, elements of it because you've got this reducing deck of events uh or monster cards um and you're being chased by um dracula or something um there is this this whole very cinematic thing of yeah. um you take this go I, i'll give you this you go over there you do this thing pass it to that person and then we win Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. You can see the sorts of actions you need to take and the order that you need to take them. Possibly, though, it's. I mean, it does. It does tension very well, doesn't it? That game. It's really good, and the story and the atmosphere is is. You know, it's very evocative of you know a dark a dark town late at night with all these frightened villagers wandering around, and you're only you can save the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's also it's a great game. It scratches. Um, it scratches. Sorry, we're just talking about the game now. But uh, it, scr- it just scratches at that thing of um, uh, in the back of the, your your brain when you're you're playing a game like this, where it's because you have multiple setups, you have different monster combinations you can have, and things like that. You always you're always thinking, I wonder what would be different next time if yep. I've, if I played it slightly different. I think that's yep. a really good hook for for, for family games. Um, yeah, it's really good, and the fact that you can you know change it to be easier and only have two monsters to battle, or change it, make it really hard and have four, and the combinations of those different monsters just give you different experiences and different uh, feelings to to the challenge ahead of you. I mean, I think um, cooperative games can be challenging. I mean, you, yes. the the kind of the um, your gut feeling. Or is, and I think it's very different for different families, but I think the gut feeling should be that, or is for many people, cooperative games, we cooperate. And it should be easier and more harmonious to play a cooperative game because we're all working together towards the same objective rather than competing with each other. But um, I find sometimes that you can see the opposite, um, that the challenge of getting the children to agree is quite difficult. So um, you have to be careful, uh, as in many cooperatives, that you don't have a, end up with a sort of alpha player and that that one person is kind of pulling against everybody else and trying to make the decisions. Um, quarterbacking the situation. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that can cause some... Um, if you manage that as a parent, if you can manage the sort of equality of the decision making in a cooperative game, then I think they work really well. But it's not always easy to do that when you've got the, you know, the 
the the natural sort of relationships between the children and the dynamics between them playing out on the table. So well, we, we've start, I suppose we've started a list really, haven't we? Um, yeah, <laughs> should, should, should we talk about your your, your five your, your top five? Let's go for the other four of yeah. my five top games. So stu- sorry, sorry to have stumbled in that in there. No, but we're, it's uh, good, but it means we're on the same wavelength and that we've yeah. got you know some of the same ideas. So I mean, I've tried to think about this to give variety because I'm obviously I only have one family myself and uh, my family is like certain things and other families like other things and I've been really fascinated to when I've played with other people other adults and they've gone on to play with their families I've been fascinated to learn what they like most and what their family favorite family games are so this is my list but also a wider list if you see what I mean kind of uh, from from more more families than my own, um, so Telestrations is probably the I think the best family party game that that you're going to find. Um, uh, do you know Telestrations? I don't know. Please please uh, enlighten me. Okay, T- Telestrations is the most ridiculous. It's a bit like Picture Consequences. So you know the sort of uh, consequences game where or um, Chinese whispers. It's like Chinese whispers in but drawing. So you start with a word. Everybody starts with a different word. You get some cards. You don't need the cards. You can. I mean, there is a board. It it, it comes in a box. You can buy Telestrations. Uh, you could also play it with paper and uh, a dictionary. <laughs> um, each person starts with a word you write down so you get these little books in within the game everybody writes their name on the front of a book and then on the first page they're going to write their word down um i think it's that or maybe you start with a picture and then you pass it on and you look at the page that somebody has written on before and it's either going to be a drawing or a word and if it's a drawing you draw you you write the word that you think the drawing is about or the phrase and if it's a a word you draw it and then you pass it on so it goes around it's great when you're playing with quite a a large group of people if you've got 10 people or something it's brilliant because the book goes round, it completely changes and then you see what's happened and I I think there must be scoring but I've no idea what the scoring is never (laughs) used scoring Uh, it's just for fun it's just it's a a game that you play just for fun really the delight that the sort of peals of laughter that go around the room when when somebody gets a new book um you could just have people sort of he just silently crying with laughter as they're looking at the pictures and then re- going back through the books and seeing what other, what everybody's you know the journey that a word has taken is brilliant it's really good so that's a good party game for families in board game geek it says 12 plus oh, mm, that I, sounds I wrong. it's i mean i just don't know where to start with that um any any time you can hold a pen properly i, th- I think just as an aside some of the ages that we see on uh, board games, partly that might be to do with the, the tests that you have to put your board game through uh, if they're for under a certain age, like they have to go through toxicity test testing and stuff. Sure, and it's much sure, more rigorous the younger yes. they're for. So partly it could be to do with that. Sometimes I've noticed it's to do with theme. So Age of War, I don't know if you know that one. That's a dice rolling game. So easy. It's such an easy concept. It's quick. It's fun. You could play it with a five-year-old easily it says 14 plus on the box right, okay because it's because i think it's because it's a, a sort of samurai war thing 
I, that's the only thing I can think of. Anyway, so I just take all these ages with a pinch of salt, as I th- I'm sure most people do. Sure, yes. Um, so my second uh, game in my top five is Camel Up. Oh, good. Oh, I just think it's great. I think it's, you know, it's, it's tense. Everybody's on the edge of their seat, but it's fantastically fun at the same time. You know, you're rooting for these little camels. The components <laughs> are great. You know, you, you know, shaking the pyramid and turning it upside down and working the rubber band thing and it getting stuck and all of that. And, and the camels jumping on each other. It's so, evo- it's just so kind of captivating and fun. And it, and because it's quite quick, like you can play in half an hour, even if you're playing quite a lot of people, um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem to matter so much how well you do. Um, it, it just because you can play again. quickly. So, yeah, they're just it's, I think it's a game that people just like and want to play and is really good family fun. I think that's um, a kind of underrated aspect of, uh, of, of, of games is the can I play this again? This evening, yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, the, the favourite games in our our you know, gaming groups have have always been the ones where you, yes, you can you can just basically flip the board and try a different technique or a different plan or something like that. Um, yeah. Camel up is uh, excellent and also introduces sort of um, betting as well, doesn't it, to kids? Yeah, uh, yeah, not exactly. in a you know, not in a weird way. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Not in a weird way, exactly. And, and you know, there's there's quite a lot of probability in there. There's quite a lot of you know. E- fairly straightforward calculations about what's more likely to happen um and and that's all that's all good stuff um and my third game oh, well, i suppose the other thing about camel up is that the turns are very quick so uh yeah, even if you're playing time. with no well there is some downtime particularly if you're playing with it goes up to eight people you know you are waiting for other things to happen but each time someone else takes a turn or almost all the times that someone else takes a turn, what their their choice impacts upon you directly. Um, and that's different from many other games um, where, you know, everybody's sort of doing their own thing and you're just waiting for people to make their decisions. So, you know, somebody somebody gets something out of a pyramid, you know, a camel moves. Ah, oh, no, I bet on that. Oh, no, please don't do that. I want to do that. You know, so, so what, other, what other people do impacts what you can do. Um, um, the third game is Trails of Tucana. It's oh, okay. Quite That's a new. Yeah, it is. What? Do you know what? I could have picked any number of games for. I mean, obviously, I could have picked about fifty games for for for, the, for my top five. But uh, Trails of Tucana really is there to represent a you know the roll and write genre, or indeed flip and write because it is a, a card game rather than a dice game. Um, I I think. This kind of game works really well with families because everybody's playing on their own board. There is no downtime at all because it's simultaneous play. And um, you can play with as many people as you want. It doesn't matter if someone drops out, which sometimes happens in a family game (laughs) because everybody else can just carry on. Um, And again, it plays quickly and you can you can choose to play on the big island or the small island. It's two cards. It's a network builder. So um, you're all the time. All you're doing each turn is drawing one line between two different kinds of terrain. So it's a concept that's fairly easy to understand. It's fairly easy for younger children to join in as well as older. Um, And I mean, 
I just I just think that the you know I could I could have chosen Railroad Inc or I could have chosen Welcome to or you know Rolling Ranch or any number of these different ones but I think uh, Trails of Tucana has a simplicity about it uh, and but without losing the challenge uh, that gives it this great replayability and it's so easy to explain I mean we've been playing it we've been I mean I think at the moment with lockdown I I've played more roll and rights than anything anything yes. because you online you know we've just been done doing so many i've been searching through for different things to do i've been scanning copies and sending them to my family to print um, our game group has been playing loads of roll and rights we played decathlon the other day rhino couldn't see us decathlon which you can download from board game geek and it's it's quite luck based but it's fun and you know those sorts of things everybody's doing something all the time so that's why it's in my it's in my list. I think it's very good, it's very good to represent it. Uh, personally, I've I've never really taken to rolling rights myself, okay. um, but that's just you know that's just me. Um, I, our new uh, online editor, um, uh, Charlie, uh, she uh, she absolutely loves that game, and she's been yeah. doing exactly the same thing you have, which is yeah. playing playing over the internet. Exactly, but for families, the ability to have each child working on their own board and making their own decisions, and if they don't want to not having to show anybody else what they've done at the end of the game, not having to share their scores. My nieces didn't share their scores with us when we played oh, <laughs> on Sunday. Oh, I like that. Everybody else did. They said, no, thank you. I'm not going to tell you what I got. Oh, why? I don't want you to write it down in your score tracking app. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <God. laughs> That's <is> <laughs> don't you can't see it. You don't They're trying to fudge their numbers across the season. No, uh. that's... <laughs> Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? I love it. It's great. Uh, but, but I like that. You know, d- d- games that don't, re- it doesn't really matter who's won at the end, where it's not obvious as you're going through who's winning. Uh, th- those are brilliant for families because it does shift the emphasis from who's won and the most important thing is about, you know, w- whether I've won or not to have we enjoyed the game. And I mean, I think Roland Wrights do that really well. So they're a really good tool to have in uh, the, the family board gaming kit. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, and the fifth game, because Horrified is on the list as well, um, Dominion. It's just, it's a classic. It's the one game that my children, apart from terraforming, which we've talked about already, but the children will go back to time and time and time again. I think it's had more plays than any other game in our house. Um, I've actually just ordered another expansion for it without telling them, and it's coming today. I'm lowering my voice so they can't hear me. (laughs) I believe they've got... Is this the thirteenth expansion, or is this a different? Yeah, they've got a million of them. them. I've not got more, but it's you could. I it's that game in our house that 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 I could say, who wants to play Dominion, and everybody will come, even even my husband. Um, And I think that I mean, it happens. You know, it it introduces the concept of deck building brilliantly, uh, and it and that concept goes down really really well with children. That you know they have control over the physical components. They have control over what they are creating their own deck. Nobody else is going to get to play with that. It's just them. So it has those. It ticks those same boxes as the sort of roll and write mat. That this is mine. Nobody else is going to touch these. The turns are really quick. Um, and you're able to plan while other people have taken their turn because you're picking up cards at the end of your turn and you're looking at what you've got and you're making decisions about what you're going to take. So actually there's 
very little downtime. There's just immense replayability. Uh, you can take out the cards that cause problems if you don't want the witch in or the thief or whatever other attack card makes people cry. Um, and you can, you can just choose not to I mean, One of my children hates the witch and the other one hates the thief, so we tend not to play with them. That's interesting. I like I um I like that as a concept for breaking apart a game, sort of house ruling things, really. Um, oh yeah. And I suppose it's a big part of getting kids in. Right? Oh, completely. I mean, uh, you know, a whole chapter on my in my book is about house rules and why they're really important for families. Um, and because I think that they um. I mean, I know that there's that some, you know, hardcore gamers might disagree with any kind of house rules and you're supposed to play it exactly as it says. But that's silly if nobody will play with it because of some sort of problem. I mean, I was talking to a family last week who was playing games with online and they were saying that they like Catan, but they never get to the end. They never seem to have time. And I just said, well, why don't you just play to eight points instead of, instead of 10 points? And it's like I'd said something that was a revelation. And, and, and I said... <laughs> If you just uh, deal out a few more resources to everybody at the beginning, you know, give resources for both for both of your settlements rather than rather than one of them. Um, start with double the amount of resources you normally would. Essentially, it, 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 gets, it started quicker. You don't have the whole kind of slow engine thing. Oh, oh my god! Right, we're going to go and play it. That's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I think those. I mean, I, so I've been quite surprised that other people aren't necessarily doing that automatically, whereas we always have, you know, just changing rules to make them more, to make the game more interesting. I mean, I, we often change, we, we change, uh, we kind of pimp up old, old ch- ch- chilled, proper children's games to make them more interesting. I mean, I've done a video about how to make Guess Who interesting because I, I still love the components in Guess Who. They're brilliant. You can't argue with, you can't argue with that at all. No. And also the, um, the very basic thrill of uh, flicking um, you know, the faces yeah. down. Exactly. Yeah. I love those boards. I think they're great. But they are, it is a bit dull to keep playing by the same rules. So yeah, house rules for making games more interesting, house rules for adapting the length of a game, house rules for making them more accessible to level the playing field for younger gay for younger players um or handicapping old ones <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. you know if you're playing something as something like cluedo or some other kind of deduction game you know giving those children more information because deduction games are really hard to play on an even playing on an even field you know it's not I, I, if we're going to play Cluedo, I will always win because of my um, ability to you know, logical deduction that is developed over kind of years of, of doing that kind of, you know, I, I suppose just practiced over years. And it's much harder for children to, you know, I, I write down every bit of information I learn, just what other cards other people are seeing and you know when you know and but children are going to be bothered to do that so you have to give them more cards in the first place they've got more information so they are at a, an advantage to start with just to balance it up a bit really i think that's um and i suppose part of that is also then to um uh avoid sort of tantrums and things oh, yeah. like that um and just keeping things sane at the table um it- exactly I mean, it's it's um, avoiding tantrums and uh, arguments, uh, tears, 
it's it's the it is a real challenge for parents and it's the biggest reason why uh i think you know why parents struggle because either children always want to win or they cry if they don't win or they cry if somebody takes what they want or they're screaming at their brother because you know they're being nasty and you're playing a game with take that in it you know I mean you have to make decisions about the your choice of games depending on your children and what that what's likely to happen I mean this is why some of these games in my top five are in my top five because they're more likely to be successful at doing those sorts of games. But I think another reason that we might struggle as game playing parents is that we just want to play the game. We want to we want to get our children to play the game so that we can play a game. Yes, and, um, <laughs> and actually, you've got a more important job when you're playing a game with your family, and that's to m- make sure that the experience is pleasant for everybody that your job really isn't to play the game to your best ability and immerse yourself in the game to the expense of everything else. You are playing the game of the long-term game of get it, making the children into board game, into board game players. And to do that, you've got to be aware of what they're doing and how they're feeling. You've got to make sure that you're checking your own natural behavior uh, <laughs> Going, uh, I'd, I, of, for example, just focusing on your own cards and not looking up from them, you know, making sure that you're watching when other people do things and saying, oh, that was brilliant. That's an excellent move. I think you made a really good choice there. Or noticing when they're a bit wobbly and giving them some, you know, words of encouragement, noticing when they are really not wanting you to give them advice yeah. and shut up. <laughs> Because they need to make their own decisions. It sounds um, like that one might be the most difficult one. <laughs> some people it really is, and others are more natural at it. Um, yeah, I, I've, I learned that that really children don't want strategic advice. That, you know, it's part of how you teach a child a game. Avoid t- telling them what strategies they should be employing, even if you think that, you know, for, that, that they really ought to know this because it's going to help them win. It doesn't matter whether they win or not. Uh, and you know you yes. know that because you keep saying... That's also the point, one of the things you're trying to teach them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah you're te- you, just, you should just teach them the rules, the mechanics, how to play a game and let them make decisions. And it doesn't matter if they don't win. Uh, and, I don't, and you shouldn't let children win. That, you know, I, I'm totally against rigged victories. I will play and try and win but I won't need to win. And that's this kind of mantra that I try and teach my children, play to win, but don't need to win. And focusing on uh, the good decisions that they're making during the game, focusing on praising them when they've you know, got over something that's happened, like someone has taken the dice that they wanted or the cube that they wanted or gone on the space that they wanted to go on. Um, praising them for managing their own behaviour in those difficult situations goes a long way to them you know really you know what they they want to impress you at the end of the day they want to win because they want to impress you Uh, and they don't want to accept advice because they want to show you that they can do it without your advice they want to impress you and so if you show them that you're impressed with the decisions they're taking and the the um the, the way they're behaving that's enough and it takes time to get to the point where uh 
where it is where they really understand that it's it's the playing that you're looking at and you don't care what the outcome is and they shouldn't either uh, but but that's the kind of that's where we're trying to get to i think i think that's a really good uh, a good point sort of um to sort of end that that section on uh that's a nice nice happy uh yeah. ending um so should we talk about your your games just you know sure because there's a whole a whole load of uh stuff you've, you've put together um there's the for example the, there's the uh i've seen the puzzle box is that right? yeah well the puzzle box is a sort of uh well it's a board game and puzzle box designed for families within each so there are at the moment there are two puzzle boxes the third one will be coming out later this year each puzzle box has a theme so the first one is uh, gardens and chickens and the second one is donuts and cake and uh, within the puzzle box there's a a sort of a, a bigger game, a, uh, a board game with quite a few components, either tiles or, um, you know, boards, individual player boards and things. And it kind of might sprawl across the table. And then there's a smaller game, which is in a tin, like a tobacco tin sized tin um, and would fit in your handbag or rucksack or in the um glove compartment of your car or, you know, wherever, you know, so it's portable easy to take on holiday and uh, some some of them are card games and some of them have got little cubes in um and then there's also a game on a coaster in each uh so i've just got these delivered yesterday you can see them i know nobody else can see them. <laughs> <laughs> it, look, it, look, it looks very good though yeah so they're, they're sort of beer mats and there's a game on one side there's uh, uh the instructions on the other side and they're simple and uh, you can just shove them in your bag again so there's so there's one of those in each of the puzzle boxes and then there's uh, puzzles as well the puzzles of so i design all the games my uh, friend david brain design who's the uh, designer of um, key market amongst other things but that's in the sort of that's the kind of key flower series keeper that kind of key cathedral um he he is a puzzle uh, writer and he has designed all the puzzles for the puzzle box so uh, each one has a series of puzzles in as well and then each box has a series of game cards which are games that you can play um with cards in the, in the public domain cards or pen and paper or dominoes or dice things that you might have in the house and the idea is that families create a sort of binder of these games as they get different puzzle boxes so all of the games that you get in a puzzle box you can also get uh that you can also buy um, as individual games so in the first one there's uh in the, in the first puzzle box there's a game called gnome grown which is about creating your own uh garden and it's as as we talked about kind of the the idea of uh having your own board so you've got your own garden board you are getting three different kinds of tiles in three different kinds of ways to create your garden so there's tile laying you're working to objective cards you're trying to get more objective cards it's a worker placement tile placement game um and there's some bidding in there as well and the currency's ladybirds and it's quite nice it's a gorgeous little gnome miniature that sort of goes along the garden path signaling what round you're in you have to pay the gnome in ladybirds to take certain actions there's quite a lot of introduces families to quite a lot of different kind of hardcore gaming concepts like worker placement and tile placement and um, and the bidding and things like that um then there's a game called don't count your chickens which is um a 
which, which is a game of hidden information where you're trying to kind of develop your own flock of chickens uh, and roosters and turkeys, but you're not sure which one is the most valuable and each game is different. So um, you have cards that are hidden, which you have to uh, you have to take actions to, to look at. But if you're taking the actions to discover the information, you can't take the actions that are going to develop your flock. And there are sort of wild actions, which mean that you might end up having to give your chickens to another player. And if you don't know that's one of the hidden pieces of inf information, then you're going to be scuppered at the end of the game. So you have to, there's this real tension between Ah, do I find out the information or do I do I grow my flock? And the latest puzzle box, the Donuts and Cakes one, has got a game called Donut Dash in it, which is a gang. You've got a gang of donut thieves that are going around a donut factory, stealing donuts from the floor and stealing donuts from other people. It's a sort of grid movement. Um, uh, it's a it's it's a riot actually. It's really fun. You stack these donuts on top of each other, and there's these, all these kind of cards which allow you to kind of shift the floor you know and there's all these booby traps and things and it's a nice thematic fun game and then finally there's a game called top cake and that is a card game which you're bidding on layers of cake to try and stack them uh in the most uh, and you're trying to kind of create the cake stack with that, that's going to win the most points at the end of the game like um a very confectionery heavy uh yeah, well, list <laughs> donuts and cake themed yeah. box yeah. um the next one has got a space theme that's coming out later this year so i'm going to be putting one of those games on kickstarter cool as um, well later yeah that's uranus that's very yes. exciting yes. um and uh, you've, got, you've got the placemat games as well which is sort of a, right. a perfectly timed uh, lockdown uh yes. they are they are lockdown ready. Um, they are an A3 placemat with a game on each side. Um, they, they come in pads of 50. And um, each of the, uh, so you've got 50 of each game. Um, and each player needs a placemat and they're roll and write games. And they've sort of both got a desert island type feel. And uh, you roll dice, you share the outcome with everybody. So everybody uses the same dice rolls. Uh, and you're going to uh, do various things. So in one of them, Beach Life, you are kind of helping various sea creatures. And in the other one, uh, Castaway, you're kind of trying to work out, you're trying to develop your island that you've been uh, stranded on to work out whether you can get rescued to try and improve your chance of getting rescued or if you choose to try and become self-sustained so yeah these work like really that. well yeah that's yeah, good uh, they work really well online i've got quite a lot of people buy so actually i've got schools buying them for um children and playing with with the like teachers playing with the class online um, I've got uh, families buying them and then sending pads to grandparents so they can play online with them. I've got families joining me for online game sessions, which I'm running every Tuesday to play these games. And you can register on the site. And uh, yeah, so there's all sorts of all sorts of different things, uh, all sorts of different people playing. And you can play with as many people as you want. So they're quite nice, really. It's excellent. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll be playing one of these together at some point uh, in yes. the near future, and uh, and everyone can see how bad I am at roll and write games. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, that's great. Well, th thank you for coming on the podcast, Ellie. Thank and, you. Um, Lovely. And uh, so, where can we find you online? So on Twitter, I'm at Ellie Dix tweets. Dix is D I X at Ellie Dix tweets. Uh, the website is thedarkimp.com, and you can get the games from there as well. 
um, and my email address is ellie at thedarkimp.com. Lovely. Thank you very much. And thank you for your, your guidance on how to uh, create better families. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's game, gaming families. Sorry, well, sorry, sorry. Better game families. <laughs> nice to speak to you. Thanks for listening. Our theme music is by Body in the Thames, which you can find at bodyinthethames.bandcamp.com. You can find us on tabletopgaming.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at tabletopmag, on Facebook to at tabletopgamingmagazine, on Instagram at tabletop underscore gaming underscore magazine, and we've just launched a Twitch channel. You can find us there on twitch.tv forward slash tabletopgamingmag. If you like the show, recommend it to a friend, rate us in the iTunes store, or subscribe to the magazine, which you can do on our website.